What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm Mr. Pillen tonight with Braden and Will. How's it going, boys? It, it's good. I'm glad the international break is over and, and we get to get into some real football. Like We're now in the proper run-in, and I, I'm pretty excited for it. Oh, man. I It's uh, April. The beginning of April is just very aggressive. I have a very, very lovely wedding to go to on Saturday immediately after literally the second thing we're about to talk about and man i'm gonna go ahead and hope that spencer and rachel have a lovely life together because i'm gonna be in a mood no matter what the fuck happens and i'm very very excited to talk about it which you can tell from the tremble in my voice <sighs> start the show <laughs> Yeah, uh, and be- and before we go into all of the games for this upcoming weekend, we did get news out of uh, Tottenham Hotspurs this past week that Antonio Conte had been sacked on uh, Mikel Arteta's birthday, no less. So quite the day for Arsenal fans out there, and honestly, quite the day for a lot of uh, people who didn't want Antonio Conte around their club, like Gary Neville. And... Uh, we're kind of like, hey, look, like we were correct. And I think ultimately this was coming, especially after the rant that he had. But it is just funny to see that Spurs went after back-to-back managers who have been deemed serial winners and both have uh, left before even completing two full seasons. Any thoughts, Braden? So there's a saying in investing called don't fight the Fed. So basically like, the Fed is raising rates like maybe don't put your money in the stocks. It's just hard to make money and that, that sort of thing. I, this is basically the same idea. Like don't fight the Spursy. Like it, you you have a serial winner. They come in and it's just like it, it's natural law. You don't you don't win there. It's just like this is just how things go. Um, I particularly enjoy this, especially being on Arteta's birthday, because uh, like uh, Conte had a whole bunch of things to say after the last North London derby last season, um, where you know obviously Spurs won, and then he talked about Arteta complains too much and he should just be humble and, and just be quiet. And it's like this man went in after the players after the owner after like the front office uh, in, in this whole speech to get himself fired and it's just it was uh, it did my heart some good to to see that but on that i mean i i think this was coming i think that conte has kind of seemed unhappy there for a little while and i this was especially after that speech he gave this was just going to always happen and it did <laughs> to dare is to do more like to dare is to die <laughs> that that's that's the best i could come up with on uh, such short notice because i've known about this for a couple days and have not thought of anything to say other than haha uh it, Conte left chelsea in like not the most acrimonious of manners as well and i'm pretty sure he left inter in not the most of acrimonious manners but there's a difference in being like i don't necessarily think that this is going to work out and like it felt like Daniel Levy cheated on him in that speech. And like, I felt it deep in my soul and I'm not even Spurs fan. Uh, so yeah, once you say something like that, once you go scorched earth, there's no coming back from that. Like that was exactly how that man felt in that moment with everything that had happened up until then. At what point as Spurs fan do, does the like, 
you know, you like you go on like so many dates and you date so many people and they keep like saying stuff and it keeps repeating itself. And you're like, you need to grow up or like you need to you need to do this. or You need to do that. And it keeps happening and happening, and happening. At what point do they realize that, like, it's not you, it's me? Because at this point, if serial winners are going there and falling apart completely and having to go rebuild themselves. It's not them, bro. It's you. And hey, maybe Conte is not as much the serial winner as we thought he was. And maybe that's more what this is. But at some point, this is Spurs being Spurs and just not not doing anything to be successful. I don't know. Like they went out and got a manager to plaster over boo-boo ownership. I don't even know. Yeah, I I just want to add because like I've heard this narrative come out in the past like two weeks or, or so that like Conte wasn't backed by like Spurs, like from all his staff, which I, which I just like, I, I can't really buy that. Like you spent 60 million on Richarlison, like Perisic is this handpicked guy. Like it, it's like anyone could have told you a 33 year old winger coming into the Premier League for the first time. It's like, that, when has that ever worked? Like I, I just, but it's his handpicked guy, so they went and got him. And then, like, you spend the money on Spence, spent $25, 30000000 million on Basuma, all this sort of thing. Like, this idea that he hasn't been back to me is just, like, absolutely crazy. I would argue <laughs> that my point of maybe it is Spurs is $60 million on Richarlison because, like, that does not seem like the most wise investment to me. And, like... I mean, if that's giving Conte his boy and that's who Conte wanted, that's cool. But, like, in my brain, that's not the wisest investment. I Like, I don't think someone – I think someone is going to them going, I need you to do this. And they're going, what about the great value brand? And Harry Kane, that'll win us something, right? And I don't know if – Daniel Levy's the problem, and I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. I mean, sh- sure, maybe Daniel Levy is the problem. I, I-, I think this is – a has been a long time coming uh, for Spurs at the end of the day. Like, they are not a club that has, in its history, been, like, a top two club, at least not even in the last 10 years, where they have been one of the top two clubs consistently, where that is the time when you go get a serial manager to come and win things, right? Like, when Antonio Conte goes to Inter Milan and, like, makes them a competitor, makes them a champion, like, a couple years later, it is a result of... You know what? The league is not as competitive. You can go in, make changes, make things happen. Whereas the Premier League is just not that. Especially for a club like Spurs. In the Premier League, if you want to win the league, it takes a longer process than just a year. Unless you have a team that has already won things. And Spurs clearly have. And on top of all of that, the bigger issue becomes like, in modern football... Finishing top four, like Champions League football, is more important than winning most of the other trophies, right? Like, you win the league, you win the Champions League, and then people downplay what an FA Cup means, what a League Cup means. And therefore, like, you have Maurizio Pochettino when he was there at the peak of what people would consider modern Spurs. Like, he was like, hey, I don't care about the FA Cup. I need to finish fourth to get the stadium off the way to get. So it's just a weird dynamic going on with Spurs where they don't know what success looks like to begin with and then have to like kind of fold into what they want like if they had sold harry kane for 150 million or 200 million which was like four or five years ago they could have spent that 
and like kind of done something. But now at this point, it's like even United are like, hey, we won't pay a hundred million uh, for Harry Kane. So you've kind of hamstrung yourselves. Son is oldish, like he's old. He might still score next year better, but like he's old. And this team is not going to become title contenders in one season. Like, it was never going to happen. And the expectations around Antonio Conte being this flamboyant guy who's going to win things because we saw him win it at Chelsea. Like, Chelsea won the fucking league two years before that. Like, Mourinho won the league. That is the only, one of the only teams. I don't know if they're the only team. So, I said one of the only teams that have stayed first from the first day till the last day. No, no match there were they second. And then they had a bad season. They went and got Conte. They got fucking N'Golo Conte, who won the league with Leicester. And they were like, hey, here we go. And that works. But, like, you're asking this guy to come in and play with fucking Eric Dyer as center back? Like, come on. You know, and, like, when people say, like, oh, he has not been back. I, as a United fan, I kind of understand because they just overspent on players. But that's, like, he not only they got Conte, they also got his boy who got banned from football. Like, the, nothing that Spurs did for the last year and a half made any sense in terms of a long-term plan. They were doing things on the fly to get the results they needed. And as a manager, especially with the like the charisma of Antonio Conte, it's just never going to work. Like, you know that there isn't... Like, it, Mourinho did the same exact thing with the Glazers. Like, when the, when the summer, like, he was a bit pissed off, the summer didn't go his way, everything just flies. And this is what happens. And apparently, like, Kuti Romero... And a couple of other players were very adamant that they have got, like, if Conte continues, they will, like, look for transfers elsewhere. And if that is the case, like, what do you do now? Like, there are reports that players want uh, Pochettino back. And it's like, okay, how is that? Like, giving more power to who, to name your next manager. Like, so I, I think Spurs are a shit show, but I think... Stellini, when he was there as the interim while Conte was recovering from surgery and such, did get good results. And it was the joke at the time that if he can take over, they might play better football. And so we'll see if that works out. But before we get to see Spurs, their game is on Monday. We are going to sit through nine other Premier League games. And as we sit through them, we are possibly betting on them. Brayden, do you want to tell them how? Yeah, so if you're if it's your first time listening, first of all, welcome. Uh, thank you. Hope you subscribe, uh, five star review, all that sort of thing. Get that get that away. Um, what we do each week is we are going to take a hundred virtual dollars. We call them pod bucks around here, and we're going to spend them on the three way money line for each of the games. So you have a choice of the home team, the away team, or the draw as one of the three possible outcomes. We will also talk about some over unders, uh, maybe some prop bets. Maybe sprinkle in some spreads in there where we think it makes sense. Uh, but the main thing that we're going to bet our money on and, and the main thing that we're going to talk about is the context of the three-way money line. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll bet all that. We'll come back next week, uh, tally up the results, and see how we did and do it all over again. Indeed. And if it is your first time joining us, I don't normally rant as much as that. But you know what? Fuck Tottenham. But you know what? I hate here, these two here. teams more than I I hate Tottenham, Manchester City, minus 175, taking on Liverpool at plus 440, draws at plus 340, over-unders at three. I'm going to just say one thing. I remember when the Manchester Derby got put at 7.30 in the morning, when United versus Liverpool got put 7.30 in the morning, and it is really the Premier League and the schedulers way of saying it's a great game, 
but nobody really gives a fuck outside of these two sets of fans. I mean, I, it's, it's unfortunate for me because it's 7.30 in the morning on the day of a fucking wedding, but it's cool. It's whatever, man. It's also April Fool's Day. And I'm just going to go ahead and be a homer and skip the fucking joke and pick Liverpool, man. I City should win this easily, and I would love to say that this is a, like a conscious pick, but it's really not. I kind of just need some joy in my life, and I don't want to be upset at these people's wedding. So because City can occasionally be faulty at the back and can be sorted, Liverpool coming with something to prove. The guys have looked good on international duty where they've been, except for, you know, maybe possibly almost shipping some goals to Ireland. Ibu, what the hell? Either way, I'm picking Liverpool because what the fuck else do you expect me to pick at 7.30 on Saturday morning? I can't do anything the night before. I can't, like, just... I need this win more than I possibly need another win. Well, except for my own wedding day, but other reasons. So, Will, it could be worse. It could be the day after. It could be, like, the early game after the wedding, and that's, like, that's a real problem. Like, you, I, I think you'll be that okay. That game never it's happens. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, like... It, it it could be anything. It's just like you never get to it. Um, so for this game, for me, in the words of the great Fox Mulder, I want to believe. So for that reason, I'm taking Liverpool. It's just like this is probably one of the few chances that City have to drop points uh, other than Arsenal uh, later in the year. That and, and we really need them too. So like, I am taking Liverpool here. Plus 440 is good odds. Like. Cut the bullshit. Like plus four forty, I think is a good odds for a team that I think Liverpool can beat City. Like I think they've shown that previously. I think that um, they they ha- I I don't think anything would make Liverpool and Klopp and all of them happier than to just absolutely ruin City's chances to win the title after like everything in two teams have been through the last like few years and how much they've gone gotten after it. So I, I'm gonna take Liverpool. Um, I, I I just I might also go against I also might take Liverpool against the spread on this in in real money. I, I do think that there's a pretty good equity in the draw as well. Uh one thing I do want to add, just all of my histrionics aside, is that Liverpool have played down to opposition, obviously, who are well below them, but they tend to <laughs> They tend to show up on big nights, and when this seems to be a galvanized Liverpool team, it's the fan base has that sort of feeling where if your city, if they ship one real quick, like it's got one of those feelings, and it's at a weird time of the day. So if you're feeling itchy, I'd go ahead and feel itchy. With that being said, um, I might go ahead and smash that over because this could also go the complete opposite direction and. I could be Erling Holland's bitch for the rest of the day. So uh, either way, I'm taking the over because the the gold button's getting smashed. Also get the it's checked out. Also a lot of gal- galvanizing happening out there at Anfield when Real Madrid come to play. Um, I'm going to take Liverpool. I'm, I'm going to take Liverpool as well. I, I, I just don't trust this version of City at the end of the day. And... Uh, Liverpool are a dangerous team, as a United fan. Gotta at least say that. Um, Arsenal, a minus 335, taking on Leeds at plus 800. Draws at plus 500. Over-unders at three. I'm going to go ahead and take Arsenal. Brayden, are you taking Arsenal? Yeah, I think I, I think Arsenal should take care of this pretty pretty handily. I, 
I always wonder sometimes after the international break, there's uh, there can be a lot of like Arsenal have a lot of players go away. Leeds maybe don't have as many players go away, and, and sometimes that can catch up to you a little bit. But I, if you look at Leeds, like there's rumors of Tyler Adams being injured. Um, I think uh, Nanto is out uh, for Leeds as well. Like I, I think this is a Leeds team that isn't going to be great. Um, and I think Arsenal at Emirates should be able to take care of business here. Like I, I, Arsenal have a few injury issues as well. Like Thomas Partey didn't play his last match in Ghana. Um, and at, at the end of the day, like if Arsenal have to play Jorginho there for this game, I think it's fine. Like I, Arsenal should be able to take care of this. Um, if this were Ellen Road, I'd be a little more concerned. Uh, but at Emirates, I, I think Arsenal pretty much get this done. I think we've talked about how great the atmosphere has been at the Emirates this season. I think this is one of those that you're going to see that hella early and it's just going to be there the entire time. And I think that's going to sweep this Leeds team away. I don't think Leeds is going to have much to bring Arsenal. But even if they did, this is like, I feel like Arsenal's kind of chomping at the bit to get back to business and be in front of that crowd. It's going to be a hot, hot night out there. So, yeah. Or day, night, I don't know what time is anymore. Either way, y'all get what I'm saying. I'm picking Arsenal like everybody else. Time is a social construct, bro. Um, going on to the next game, and I, I did not think uh, their fortunes would be this different uh, this Premier League season, but it still amazes me. Bournemouth at plus 155 at home, favored at Fulham, plus 180. Draw is a plus 230, over-unders at 2.5. You know what, Fulham? The reason you're fucking an underdog in this game is because Mitrovic decided decide to be a little cunt at Old Trafford and push the fucking referee, which you can't do. So, fuck you. And I'm going to go take Bournemouth in this game. Brilliant. Yeah, so this line is a little odd to me. And, and thank you for reminding me that Mitrovic is out this match because um, that might explain some of it. But Fulham are just a better team than Bournemouth all the way around. So for them to be plus 180 against Bournemouth is... Very surprising to me. Uh, because of that, I'm going to trust that the odds makers know a little bit about what they're doing, and I'm going to take a draw. I, I just think that I, I think that Fulham are a better team overall. I think Bournemouth play okay at Vitality, but they're not they're not like massively better there. Uh, but they're capable of getting a point, I think. So I'm going to take a draw. It pays plus two thirty. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh. I tend to agree with you on that one. I really, they're in order for my prediction of who's getting relegated to be true. I kind of need Bournemouth to really, really go away. But I don't see this Fulham team going ahead and just smashing Bournemouth and running riot over that place. I see that Bournemouth is going to give it a good shout, and maybe this is where Bournemouth turned the corner. I don't foresee it happening, so I'm more inclined to take the draw than I am to just write out, pick a winner. So at plus 230, I'm going to play it safe and take the draw. Soft, bro. Soft. Uh, I'm a, uh, Next game, Brighton oh, at minus 155, taking on Brentford at plus 400. Draws at plus 310, over-unders at three will. Are Brighton going to keep continuing this surge and keep themselves not on pace for a top four, but like on pace for a top four challenge? Or do you think Brentford can uh, give them some things to worry about? Uh, 
I know Brighton's kind of been like doing the good steamrolly deal and kind of forging ahead to this inevitable, oh my God, they're going to make the run sort of deal. But I think that Brentford is going to throw a, 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 like a screw loose in that plan. Because I think Brentford have a lot to play for as well. And I think that this is going to be a far more cagey affair than we give it credit for. And to be honest, at some, I feel like at some point Brighton aren't going to get like found out because I think they're solid enough not to be like, you know, that the screw isn't that loose, but I think that maybe Brentford take it to him and maybe on the day Brentford can outplay him. So I'm going to, I don't even call it the dumbass man of the week. I feel kind of solid about this. I've talked myself into picking Brentford and I'm going to stick with it. So plus 400 pays out nicely. It doesn't seem dumb, even though I feel like it is, but nah, I feel like Brentford throws a cog into the works here and mess up Brighton's lovely Amex. Woohoo! We're going to go to Europe party. I could have done better than that at the end, but y'all get what I'm saying. Yeah, I I go back and forth with this because I think Brighton are a good bit better team than Brentford overall. I, I think Brentford have played, have played well this year and, and exceeded my expectations, but... I just think that Brentford generally don't play great away from home. And so for that reason, I'm going to take Brighton at minus 155. I It's a little pricier than I would like. I, I'd feel better about this as it was like minus 120 or so. Uh, but I think minus 155 still represents enough value to, to take Brighton here. So I'm going to go with Brighton and... Um, yeah, we'll see. But you know, if Brentford nicks nicks this, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, just real quick, I forgot why this was like buzzing in my head. Yeah, they're on level of points in the table, so I'm picking Brentford to win this one more solidly because I feel like where they are on the table, Brentford may make more of a push than Brighton does. So we need to start talking about Brentford in the European competition. So yeah, I got more vim and vigor behind. Look my at the games played, bro. I mean, I see that, and I get that, but also, it's not like a game in hand is a lock. Brighton's been playing out of their mind. They got to come back to earth at some point. Starts here. Yeah. I stand by my point. Fair enough. I'm going to take a draw. I just I just don't like Brighton at minus 155 because, because they have had some recent like inconsistencies, and I do think for their players, it, this is going to be about the FA Cup, and you know, uh, I I think I think a draw. Brentford, especially Ivan Tony's going to be hyped. He probably plays some bets on to make sure he came on in the second half of that game for England. Made his debut. Going to come in very happy. I'm gonna take uh, a draw in this game. Moving on, Palace at plus 150 taking on Leicester at plus 185. Draws at plus 230. Over unders at two and a half. This is a fascinating situation. I don't really know how to look at a game where I thought Leicester would be favored. Brayden, your thoughts, please. Yeah, I, I I don't know what to do with these two teams. Like, I actually, I do know what to do. I'm going to take the over. That's what I'm going to do in this game because I, I don't think Leicester are that solid at the back. I, I think Palace have struggled to score, but I, I think if Leicester play open, I, I think Palace can get after them a little bit. So, I'm going to take the over in this game, straight out. As far as the three of money line, um, I, you know, we sat here and talked about our relegation teams a couple weeks ago, and 
I think I'm going to take Leicester because I just I haven't really been that impressed with Palace overall. Um, I, maybe a couple weeks, you know, since I moved on to Vier- on from Vieira, maybe that's the key. But like, I'll, I'll take Leicester here, and I think that they can uh, potentially put together a performance away from home, and and especially if like Madison is healthy enough to to play again uh, for England. I, I think they'll be okay. So I'm going to take Lester. This feels a spot to take Lester, but again, I've already kind of doomed them to the relegation zone. I, I was trying to come up with something funny there, but zone is the actual word. Um, I've kind of already banished them there and done so in my mind, but this Palace team it is bang on the same as them, to be completely honest. And on the day, either one of these teams could beat the other team. I just don't see enough in Leicester, though. I, I, I think that Palace can get after them and attack. I think Leicester's leakier at the back, and I don't think, I don't think they got anything going up front anymore. Even if Madison comes back, I still kind of think they're shooting blanks up there, and I think Palace are have far more talent that will become potentially more potent. God, words are hard later on than Leicester do. So I want to go ahead and take Palace. They play at home. Their fans will be up for it. I'm going to stick with my guns and my relegation picks, and I'm going to keep picking against them, and I'm going to be right about everything, damn it, because I believe in me. I'm going to be so wrong. But do you believe in Roy Hudson, though? That's the bigger question here. Uh, I, I'm going to take a I believe a in Joe Biden, bro. He's so old. <laughs> I'm I'm going to take a draw in this game. I, I think there is just enough talent on Leicester to do special things on their day. And similar with Crystal Palace. I think if Eze hits a nice left foot of volley, like that's going in. So we'll have to see which way this game goes. Uh, moving on, Nottingham Forest in desperate need of points. At home at plus 195, taking on Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, at plus 155, draws at plus 215, over-unders at two and a half. Brayden, do you think at home Forrest get the win and kind of keep them rolling to stay out of relegation trouble? Uh, sorry, sir. No, I, I, I do not. Um, I, I think the Wolves are playing a, a good bit better since Lobotega got there. Uh, I, I think that Forrest have gotten some good results and the underlying metrics like maybe haven't been there. Uh, so I expect them to... I don't want to say like struggle a little bit, but I, I just kind of, I, I think that maybe kind of where they are around 16 is, is kind of about right compared to, you know, I, I think before the last match week, they were around like 13 or 12 or somewhere. And granted, like all these are very compressed together. And so like one week takes you from like 12th to 17th potentially. But I, I just, I don't really buy it with Forrest. So I'm going to take Wolves. I think they're a better overall team. And I, I think that Lopetegui has them attacking a little bit better with guys like Sarabia and Cunha and, and those guys. I, in my mind's eye, I foresee he of the long tooth, uh, Steve Cooper in front of his fans, getting lots and lots of love and adoration after finding a way to scrap out a draw with this Wolves team, they'll come out banging. They'll come out playing good football and somehow Forrest are going to find a way 
to eke a point out of this. Uh, yet again, I'm going to go ahead and smash the over button because for some reason this feels like one of those games that no one's going to pay attention to and there's going to be five goals in it. So because I have some sort of optimism in beautiful Forest Wolves football, I'm going to go ahead and pick Forest. Uh, Coop for the win. You know, I'm going to go for Wolves in this game. I think if, I have to take one of the plus favorites, essentially, and I would like to take a chance against Going on to the next team, they could they are so bad they could not even beat a fictional team in AFC Richmond. Chelsea at minus one fifty-five taking on Aston Villa at plus four twenty. Draw is at plus two ninety-five. Over under is two and a half. Braden, do you think Aston Villa can be better than Richmond and actually get a result? Actually get a win at Stamford Bridge. I do not. Look, you've got XG Jesus himself and Graham Potter and the draw master and Unai Emery. This just has so much draw energy uh, in it. Like I, I have to take the draw here. Like somehow, some way, these teams will find a way to draw. Like it could be, it could be like Villa going up early and one nil up at the half. Like Unai puts on uh, like two more defensive midfielders to to kind of hold on to the game, and then just it doesn't work. Uh, that's how I kind of see this game playing out. Uh, so I, I'm going to take a draw. I think there's a plus 295. Like the odds are right for it. Um, Chelsea have been playing better, but I just maybe the international break ca- comes at a bad time for them. Like they've gotten some momentum, and now everyone's gone off to their national teams are coming back. I, I think Villa have a chance to get after them a little bit. So I'm going to take a draw. If you've made it this far into the podcast, waiting for me to reference WrestleMania, here's your moment. Uh, because this match is what they call in wrestling a dusty finish. And it's the exact same thing as Braden said, but I think it's going to put some shine upon the person who's going to end up uh, being the <sighs> fucking underdog babyface in Chelsea here. I think Villa are going to come out, strike early, make things kind of weird, and Chelsea are going to show some heart, show some determination, and they're not going to fucking win because Dusty Rhodes loves to book a way for him to win the title and then have that shit go back to Ric Flair when they change the fucking territory. So I promise you, Chelsea, you're going to come out of this looking real good. And people are going to be like, oh, my God, Graham Potter has him fighting for something and looking great. And oh, my God. And no one's going to fucking talk about Villa because it's just going to be washed out of the record books. And eventually Vince McMahon will just wash it away completely. And then everything will be the same company. That's further down the line. But for right now. Chelsea are going to look strong in defeat. It's going to be a draw. There'll be another wrestling joke in here somewhere. I'm picking Cody Rose as well. All right. Uh, I'm going to take the draw in this game. Braden already explained everything. Moving on. West Ham at minus 135, taking on Southampton at plus 380. Draws at plus 380. Over-unders at two. Will, do you think Southampton are going in and shock some people up at London Stadium? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be rapidly improving, but I do think that results going the way they have for Southampton is going to be very much to the detriment of West Ham. I think West Ham are looking ahead. I think West Ham have their mind on something else. And I think that maybe just maybe Southampton is going to expose the hell out of that. And Southampton has a reason to fight. And I think that they're going to be a lot safer than maybe people are thinking about them right now. So, yeah, this is going to be the dumbass bet of the week because I feel like of all the times to take West Ham, this might be the most solid I feel about it because it feels like off to the international break, maybe they'll have that same sort of Chelsea, like, 
I got some rest and we're okay vibe, but I can't rest on that too much. I think that the Southampton team is, I think they're ready to go. So, hey, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Saints. I feel real dumb about it, but maybe not as dumb as I, maybe not as dumb as I did about all the wrestling analogies in the last one. Yeah, I think I'm going to take West Ham in this one. I, I think that Southampton are, are playing a little bit better, but I think West Ham and our team, if you look at their advanced metrics, they shouldn't be where they are on the table right now. I think they're due a little bit of reversion uh, there, and I think that uh, this is a good of a ch- this is a good chance to say, right? If you're you didn't have Europa League to to mess with, you didn't. I, I know it's international break, but it's not like the entire West Ham team went away or anything like that. So I I think that this represents as good a chance as any for West Ham to pick up three points. If they don't do it here, it's kind of one of those, well, where are you going to do it <laughs> then? Um, so I, I'm going to take West Ham. Fair enough. Uh, I, I'm going to also take West Ham. I think they are a side that have been, actually, they have been right where uh, I expected them to be. But uh, I, I will say that Declan Rice and company kind of might just have needed a change of environment and then come back in to be like, hey, Let's get this sorted out. Let's go try and win a European trophy, and we'll go from there. So I'm going to take West Ham. But Southampton are a team with a lot of dogs on their team where, like, is I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between a Lavia and a Declan Rice, and I would love to be proven wrong about that. But I think there are boys on that Southampton team that went and got their international debuts as well. So if you want to take a bet, like, those players might do something spectacular. Moving on to the next game, Newcastle at home at plus 145, taking on United at plus 190, draws at plus 240, over-unders at two and a half. Braden, do you think Newcastle wins this game and kind of just announces themselves that, hey, right with Man United, we are the favorites for top four now? I think there's a good shot of it. Going back to St. James, I, I think is a big difference maker for, for Newcastle here. Um, I, I think that kind of similar to what we talked about for West Ham, like, yes, Newcastle have plenty of players who went away with their national teams, but I think they had some key players who, um, probably didn't. And I think that like, they'll have a decent enough shot, uh, in this game to, to kind of have a, a good mixture of guys who didn't go with their national teams as well as, um, guys, guys who did and came back and are fine and everything like that. Um, I, I do think that. I do think that St. James is, is a big difference maker. Um, just to confirm, Sapoon, Casemiro is still suspended for this game, right? I I also think that really makes a difference um, in the way these two teams will go. With Casemiro out, I think that Newcastle have a pretty significant advantage in midfield. Um, and, you know, it's it's going to be whether, you know, Isaac can finish. Today, like I, I think that's what it's what it's going to come down to is like can Isaac score the chances he gets? Maybe Elmeron does something that that's going to kind of be what what does it for Newcastle in my opinion. So I am going to take Newcastle's plus favorites. Um, this feels pretty wide open to me though. It really does feel like it goes against everything that you would think I would say right now, but I feel more solidly about one of these teams making the top four than I do the other one. Does not mean I'm kind of not hoping for one of them to make the top four. But at the end of this, a statement is going to be made about who's ready for the big time again. 
And this has one of those fucking Manchester United wins this shit in spectacular fashion, sort of shit's written all over it. I think St. James is going to be a madhouse. I think that Newcastle is going to show up probably as excited as they've been all season to kind of prove themselves. They've already had a couple coming out parties, but this feels like it's going to be the one, and it's going to end in some abject tears for some eight-year-olds who are going to wonder why the team in red has ruined their Sunday. Hey, man, shit be like that. Shout out to Alex Ferguson for getting into the Hall of Fame, for doing it to me for all my childhood. This United team, something about them feels like they're about to become the United team that people don't like anymore, and Newcastle may be the shiny new plaything, but sometimes the dreams don't end the way that they're supposed to. And I'm not saying Newcastle's whole season like rides on this, but this feels like one of those times where United's going to come out and go, no, sit the fuck down. We're still who we are. Or we are who we thought they were. We are who we thought. Y'all get the motherfucking analogy. I'm picking Manchester United, and I feel like I want to fucking choke. Uh, maybe I speak Roman Reigns instead. He, he, my only thing is, full disclosure, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so we d- I really don't know what the fitness situation is with Marcus Rashford. He had to pull out of England. I don't know um, Ericsson's uh, situation, if he is actually coming back and fit, and I don't really know if Martial's playing. So uh, I, I think the game would drastically be different, even without Casemiro, if Martial and Ericsson and company can kind of just play minutes together because that gives us the counterattack that we need but for the time being i'll have i'll have to go with newcastle i just think they are probably still hurting from uh not winning their first trophy in like 60 something years and i think this is a perfect time like they'll be as Braden said st james's park that place bouncing it was one of the places where fucking man city were down 3-1 at one point so um I, I think it's going to be a really tough game. And this is also their way of announcing, like, hey, we are here to participate, at least if not win the Champions League sometime soon. So we'll see. I, I, I would not be opposed to a Miguel, not opposed. I would not be opposed to betting on a Miguel Armoronco in this game. Moving on, Everton, a plus 235, taking on. Spurs at plus 120, draws at plus 235, over-unders at two and a half. Braden, do you think Spurs get on a run, or do you think this is a draw made in heaven? I think this is a weird spot uh, to play Spurs right now, Like if you are Spurs, because Conte hasn't been on the touchline that much recently until the the recent blow-up. He's had health issues that he's dealt with. and and I think that like they do they really get a new manager bounce here? Like I think the answer is maybe. I I don't I don't know exactly what to to make of it. I do think that with you know Conte and the Paratici news, I just think that Spurs are a little bit of a a team in chaos right now, and I think that's the exact worst time to play a Sean Dyche team. Like you can talk about sacking the manager, new manager bounce all you want. I I think. That's not really a good time to go and have to play, you know, the super organized blood and thunder way that Everton are going to approach this match. Um, so I'm actually going to take Everton in this one up at Goodison. I think they've got a shot at it. Um, 
but I think you learn a lot about the Spurs team in this game. Like if they come out and put a really strong performance, like I honestly probably back them to get top four. Um, if it looks a little weak, I, I think it's going to be tough for them the, the rest of the season. So I will find out a lot about Spurs in this match, uh, but I'm going to take Everton. When beige meets blue on a bad week, weird shit can happen. I'm going to go with Braden, man. I, I, I picked Liverpool with my heart earlier because I knew that these are two picks that I kind of feel a little too certain about. Uh, this Spurs team is in panic mode. Even if they have, even if I've seen so many things talking about how Spurs are still going to finish in the top four based upon the strength of their squad and the fact that, hey, now the Conte's out, they're going to circle around each other and everything like that. I want to call bunk on that, man. I think this team's going to get found out, and I think of all the times to do it, advanced dice ball might be the, like Brayden said, this is the worst time to play them. He has guys who can actually put the ball to the back of the net now, and if you're coming out there, if if you've had kind of, not lateral, but like okay performances, if they get on the ball the way that they can, hey man, Everton can sort you out, and because I feel like they're going to get sorted out, man. The week is just going to keep getting worse. Uh, I'm secretly hoping it gets worse because I just want a new Adele album. I'm just hoping that Everton like convince her to write an album while she's sitting there crying in Vegas. So uh, because I want new music, Daddy is picking blue for this week. I'm the only time in my life I fucking say that shit. Damn, uh, I'm going to take Spurs, actually. I, I, I think there are quite a few players who are going to have a point to prove. And this will... This will be the game. And I understand Everton, Goodison's a tough place to go, especially on a Monday night, them finding relegation and all that. But Spurs need the points just as much. And I think they're going to win. I think they have to win in order to get get their fans on their side because, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. But on that note, that is it from us for this weekend. Uh, We will be back next week. All I'm going to say is there are... 10 game weeks left, 11 game weeks left. It's going to be a fun-ass time. Let's all have a good time. And I cannot wait to see how fixture congestion really affects some of these top four and relegation finishes. Cheers, guys. Give Rhea the belt, you fucking cowards.